You're listening to the Naughty Rude Show podcast, Sin's place for all things sex, health, relationships, and identity. So, so, so scandalous. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. Tonight, you are joined by Erin, Carlin, and Kate. And we've got an exciting show coming up, guys, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. So It'll be great. It's your first shows tonight as well, so uh, don't be nervous. <laughs> we'll preface as well. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you for your support, Erin. Yeah, of course. I'm just supporting you so that everyone else can hear that I do that. (laughs) So tonight we're going to be talking about um, bisexual visibility and uh, another number of things that are coming under that include intersexuality, discrimination, gender identity. uh, And we're looking that kind of in the scope of society where we're at today uh, based on a couple of resources we've looked at and some readings and, of course, our personal opinions as we do here on the show. Um, But first up, we're going to go around and introduce ourselves. Um, First up, my name is Erin. I'm 19 and I identify as a cis female. Um, I'm single and I would say that I am kind of at the minute swinging in a more bi-curious sort of place, I would say. Um, Yeah, I don't think I'm fully at a a stage where I can say I am bisexual. I'm kind of just coming out of a hetero relationship and thinking, oh, yeah, maybe not. (laughs) So we'll see where we go. Who's next? Uh, Hi, so I'm Kate, I'm 23, and I am a cis female, and I identify as mostly straight, and I am very, very single. (laughs) Me too, girl, don't worry. Very single. Wow, all right. I'm uh, Carlin, I'm 23, uh, cis male, um, bisexual for the most part, but had an experience the other week in which I was sort of out with a... A person flirting a lot ended up kissing them. Really naively assumed that they were a male, and then sort of a week later, uh, my girlfriend came to me and sort of said, "They are the gender fluid." So that sort of threw me into a spiral of bisexual, pansexual. So I think there's sort of a, a fluidity there, sort of moving into that. Um, and I'm in a, a relationship with a woman uh, who's sure. also bisexual. So that's sort of. Uh, Good, good visibility between the two of us. Yeah, great. Um, that's something really important as well that I should preface as well with Naughty Rude. Um, we are young people talking about sexuality for young people. So, you know, we're all kind of exploring here and we're all kind of learning as we go. Um, yeah, and we, we'd love to hear what you have to say if there's anything you'd love to bring to the table and talk about tonight. We'd love to hear it. Uh, you can send us a question at thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask and you can have a chat to us on Twitter as well at Naughty Rude and keep up. We'll be posting like articles and stuff throughout the week, that, throughout the day rather that we talk about um, and you can follow along. First up, let's go to a song, guys. Let's play... What have I got first up? I've got Girls, Girls, Boys by Panic at the Disco. Rock um, and roll. Why not? <laughs> Let's play it. You are listening to The Naughty Roots Show here on Sin Nation. You are listening to The Naughty Roots Show here on Sin Nation. You're with Erin, Carlin and Kate tonight. That song was Girls, Girls, Boys by Panic at the Disco. And tonight we are talking all things bisexual visibility. And to start off, we're kind of going to intro into what that actually means. So briefly, we're just going to talk... In our own personal opinions, obviously, this is preface that it is our personal opinions and it's based on our personal experiences and any readings we might have done, etc. What does bisexuality mean to you guys, I guess? And also, um, for those listening, if you'd like to input in this conversation, yeah, by all means, head to the Tumblr, the naughtyrude forward slash ask, or hit us up on Twitter at naughtyrude. 
back to you guys. <laughs> what do you guys think of bisexuality? What does it mean to you? Sure, Kate. Do you want to, as a mostly straight woman, as you, you said, how do you feel? Um, so basically I would say bisexuality for me means that someone can see themselves ending up with either a woman or a man um, and that they don't have any particular preference. But at this, by the same token, obviously people would have more of a preference as to what way they will probably lean or end up seeing themselves who they see themselves being within the future. In the, sort of in the long run. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. So when people ask me what my um, sexual orientation is, that's why I identify as mostly straight because I see myself ending up primarily with a man and that's not to do with anything else. I'm definitely sexually attracted to females as well, but that's just how I would... I wouldn't feel comfortable classifying myself personally as bisexual. Okay, sure. Does that come out of more of a like a, a romantic entanglement with the sexuality there in the long run? You can see yourself more romantically with a man. Yeah, than... exactly. That's that's probably what I would say. Mm, yeah. How about yourself? Um, okay, I don't know. Um, I guess, yeah, bis- very much the same. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the romantic entanglement kind of gets really a bit tricky there. And then you look at stuff like the Kinsey scale and it's really like yeah. difficult to pinpoint because I almost everything yeah exactly so what's a three and what's a seven is like that, that's what I mean like in anything what yeah in what's between the scope? yeah if, if I'm a three does that mean I'm bisexual if I'm a seven does that mean I'm bisexual if I'm a 10 does that mean I'm you know purely heterosexual yeah sure and so I think that's really interesting when it comes into um, bisexual vis- visibility because for the most part a lot of people that identify as being bisexual don't even really know or aren't like it, what's what's the difference between bisexuality and you know bi curiosity and yeah, there's, sure. it's i think it's important to have these conversations to you know really solidify that and um try to talk about it and get people to understand and think about who they really are and but but by the same token you don't have to label anything no exactly but it's, yeah, i'm sure yeah, but the, it's about getting thing. to know who you are as a person. I think it's very helpful to have these like internal monologues in your head and try to figure out, hey, I think I am attracted to females and males, but am I attracted to them both? Like, Or am I just curious yeah, about e- having a sexual relationship with someone that is of the same gender as me? Sure. I mean, in my experience, it's kind of... I found it almost safer because I, I, at various points, have been anywhere in the middle of that scale. Yeah. Since I, you know, sexually identified as a young man, mm. um, so I found it very, very safe to just be like, "All right, well, I'm just going to say I'm bisexual to really sort of um, yeah. give myself a lot of scope to move around in that, and then kind of give myself a bit of an identity yeah. in that." Yeah. So, so was that just um, your own individual? Um, was that you just saying to yourself, "I'm bisexual"? Or was that you coming out and telling other people that I'm going to identify as this? This is who um, I am. It was a really long process, yeah. to be perfectly honest, in my experience, if I can sort of go back into a bit of history there. Of I think I sort of tried to come out to my friends when I was probably in about year eight, yeah. I think. And then they sort of really didn't fly with that. They weren't really very supportive, but they're not the sort of people. I mean, back then, anyway, we're all very naive people, yeah. not really sure. And then sort of it went sort of under the radar. I ended up in a six-year relationship with a, a straight woman. Um 
and yeah, that was uh, that, that was sort of that really pushed it down. But then you know we broke up a couple of years ago, and then since then I've sort of you know being in that single scope again, just sort of uh, really coming to sort of just a couple of realizations, really, yeah. and a couple of you know vague love interests here and there in men. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Well, it kind of makes a bit more sense that I bring this back out, and then very slowly here and there just sort of been trickling it out to my family and being like yeah. Yeah, kind of you know same sex attracted as well as being in a relationship with a woman yeah right it, it is a very um difficult space to navigate especially at a young age i'd imagine i mean 100 percent. the way uh when i was growing up i just remember being um very much surrounded by boys my, my friendship circles were always boys okay. and i you know would always think does what does that mean does that mean that i like girls like, and just those assumptions that you make when you're young oh, okay, without sure. knowing the background to that obviously um I think for me, as as I was young, it was more so that I kind of I did know that I had a bit of an attraction to girls, and um, just didn't exactly know how to act on it as well because I thought, well, maybe it is because I'm quote unquote a tomboy. Maybe it's more just because I'm uh, into like the boy activities. Yeah, and yeah. we're going to be talking about that a little yeah. bit more tonight and uh, unpacking some of those similar terms. And of course, I, that got thrown around a lot as a kid. Um, my guy mates would be like, oh, you know, like she's just a tomboy. She's into like sports and wrestling and stuff. Like she <laughs> likes all that kind of stuff. But no, I, I think I did know even at that young age that I was like, you know what, I, I do kind of like girls too. Um, Although my, most of my love interests at this point have been males, uh, I am kind of in a position now where I'm ready to kind of take that next step and just be like, okay, I'm, I think I'm going to start exploring my identity a bit more, which I think f- can be a really difficult thing for people to do. I, I know for myself it was something hard to come to, but why do you think it is hard for people to identify as bisexual or same-sex attracted in, I guess, modern society? Um, I think as a female, that's kind of become a little bit trivialised and sort of sexualised when you're younger. Um, most females, not most, sorry, but a high percentage of females will say, oh, yeah, I'm bisexual, hook up with, you know, their girlfriends in a club to yeah. get the, attack, yeah, right. the attention of males. And there's that whole... And that's what comes into um, bisexuality um, visibility, which I find so interesting, is the male perspective of you know bisexuality because in my experience my friends that um are bisexual males find it more difficult to say that because it it is so highly stigmatized for some strange reason Mm. and I think it's really strange that um if you're you know uh, in a homosexual relationship or a heterosexual relationship it's easier to say that you are one way or the other than to say you're bisexual because people are like, oh, and then it gets into, oh, you swing both ways. Oh, you haven't made your mind up. You yeah, know, oh, you're just being naive. Well. And yeah, and it, from a female perspective, it gets highly sexualized. And, you know, I'll be like with, I've had um, people that I've dated in the past, males, and they say, oh, are you into chicks? And it's like, why are you saying this? Are you saying this because you want to see me with a f- female and you're sexualizing you know, a sexual identity, which I find really strange. And that's why I'm super interested in it from a male's perspective, um, what bisexuality means to them, because, as I said, it's not as visible. Female bisexuality is more visible in mainstream media and in society than, um, yeah, than a male bisexual. Yeah, I feel 
female bisexuality in a lot of ways, like you're saying, is almost celebrated in a really strange yeah, it sort is. of... it's highly sexualized. Yeah, and the sexualization there's, there's, of there it. There isn't the stigma attached to it that there is with um, male bisexuality, which is bullshit. Mm. Yeah, 100%. But, um, yeah. I mean, in saying that, I was going to say, you know, I have sort of made out with a couple of my friends here and there and that's sort of a bit of a, a weird thing being that they're straight men yeah. and then it is that sort of weird weird zone like you're saying you know like women will hook up for some sort of weird attention thing but I think yeah again sort of comes down to that weird sexualization, which kind of plays into uh, uh, porn stigmas oh, a little sure. bit I, yeah. I feel like that's a really sort of strange uh, landscape that really influences a lot of these things. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've, I've been in a similar si- situation as UK, and then um, I had a friend who jokingly uh, ingests, obviously not an appropriate comment, but when I was expressing to them saying, oh, you know, like, I think I'm going to start exploring this, um, how I feel possibly in my bisexuality, and he goes, oh, um, quote unquote, he goes, oh, can I film it or like in reference to <laughs> yeah, if, if I were to have sex with a woman? Wow. And I said, like, mate, that's flat out. That's just immature. Like, And yeah, I think porn is definitely to blame for that kind of um, stigma that is attached or almost like a glorification of girl on girl action, quote unquote. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, something I just noticed today, just in my sort of musings or whatever, you know, you sort of, you, you go to the homepage of sort of mm-hmm. a porn website and you've got things like uh, lesbian porn just sort of intertwined with the rest of it but then it's like a whole other section for you know bisexual gay things you know it's really sort of mainstream main focus in a lot of that sort of stuff and uh, you know that really i I think that comes back to the sort of very young people sort of thing you Mm. know a lot of young uh high school kids especially get sort of introduced to porn in a lot of really ways yeah weird ways and that sort of influences their sort of sexual mind making up and perhaps that's why um, in a lot of ways it is really difficult for a lot of uh, young people to come out as bisexual. Yeah. yeah, and I think going back to the porn thing as well, I mean, if you go into the lesbian section on, say, any major... A- any mainstream. Main, major mainstream them all. Uh, <laughs> Pornhub, RedTube, we know them all. X videos. Um, so if you go into any of those, the primarily the actresses um, doing, you know, um, sorry, doing um, the lesbian videos are sure. mostly straight females. And yeah. it comes into they're doing that for work because, it, because it's so highly glorified and that's where the money is because – and it's just it's just really interesting, and then so people get this kind of idea of lesbians being, um, you know, like, and it's called lipstick lesbians, like two femmes, yeah, and right. it's not highly visible. If you went through like the, if you went through the lesbian section on say Pornhub, and you went through the videos, most of them would be highly manicured, very like lovely looking ladies with you know long hair but that's not really that's not accurate to what all people are whereas if you watched like straight porn there's people from all different ethnicities and backgrounds and size and you know everything whereas if you go into that's what i find really hilarious about lesbian porn is because (laughs) it's it's not an accurate representation because most of these actresses aren't and that's what it comes into as you said girl on girl action Mm. and that's um and i think 
guys maybe watching porn with their girlfriends or something like that would be like, oh, why can't you do it like, you know, Sasha Gray does in this video? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, that's it's just that's what I just find hilarious yeah. is yeah. that, yeah, porn has made played a big role in bisexuality and lesbianism becoming so highly stigmatised. Mm. Yeah, 100%. We talked about it um, a little bit earlier at the start of that conversation as well, um, navigating that space on the Kinsey scale and kind of figuring out where you sit in the space of the sexual spectrum, the sexuality spectrum. We're going to talk about that more on the other side of the break. Uh, to go there, we're going to be playing a song by the Harpoons called Do You Want My Love? You are listening to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation with Erin, Carlin and Kate. Welcome back to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. You're with Erin, Carlin and Kate tonight. And we just hit you with the trifecta there. You had Do You Want My Love from the Harpoons. You had Hard As Nails by Pregnancy and Thunder Thighs from Miss Eves. Uh, I think all of them are on our Sweet 16 playlist this week at Sin. Uh, oh, listen, cool. Yeah, listen to Sunday Sweets and you can hear those again. Not this week, obviously. It's just past. But, like, you can hear those songs throughout the week and Sunday Sweets. We'll have new Sweet 16 songs for you next week. Ooh. <laughs> So, coming up now, we're going to be talking a little bit more in depth about the kind of spectrum of sexuality and sexual fluidity and what it kind of means to move around in those spaces. So, I uh, found this article from the BBC back in 2016 and it's titled, It's Okay Guys, Just Admit It, Half of You Are Not 100% Straight. Straight away, I'm kind of hooked there. Um, the article shared <laughs> on our Twitter, um, at Naughty Rude, if you want to read more of that over there. Um, just some interesting points that I've picked apart here that we're going to talk to you about now. Sexuality is often described as a spectrum. Some people identify as entirely straight and others as entirely gay. However, many people lie somewhere in that sizable grey area between the two and it seems that more young people than ever are realising they are in that number. Uh, not identifying as bisexual nor identifying as 100% hetero either. Um, interesting, especially prefacing the idea of young people coming to this realisation is kind of the point that sticks out at me. What, what do you guys think about that statement? Um, yeah, it's a really interesting statement um, overall, mm. um, just sort of reflecting on that. Um, and kind of it raises a question if there is sort of a need for more terms. I know we've got terms like pansexual and pomosexual yeah, sure. and, and, you know, there's a lot of those sorts of things. Um I think what it kind of says to me as well is that um, more and more now, and probably even more so in 2017 compared to a year's progress. Every year. Every year is another step, isn't it? Um, when there's just more options for young people to say, okay, this is kind of where I fall into the spectrum and it becomes a place where there's increasingly somewhere of comfort for someone now to lie within their gender identity or their sexuality. Um, further, in a recent study from this article, when asked to place themselves on a sexuality scale, of, of the 18 to 25-year-olds participating, one in two chose something other than 100% heterosexual. This figure contrasted vastly from the rest of the general UK population, of which 72 identify as exclusively heterosexual. Uh, in short, this study would suggest young people are feeling less and less straight. Or more and more sort of able to talk about it. I think, yeah, that's probably what I would have inferred from that as well. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, I think the gen generation before, mm. the generation above us mm. kind of was really a bit sort of institutionalised in mm. sort of being a bit oppressive, mm. I feel. Not everybody, obviously. There was a lot of really cool people sort of speaking out. But, um, yep. yeah, I feel like every generation 
sort of opens the pathway for more and more people to just be like, you know, this is something that I can openly sort yeah, of sure. discuss. Um, I think it's also just a matter of education as well. Um, yeah. More now, I think, do we question the way that we're brought up and the, the things that we're informed about gender as we grow up. And um, we've spoken about this before on Naughty Root as well in this sense in terms of things like fairy tales, how fairy tales teach girls how to behave and just mm. kind of the basic gender norms that are instilled in young people from a very young age. And it's like a performance aspect, performing gender. We're taught... That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, sure, we're absolutely. kind of taught the roles to play when it comes to gender. Um, and more so now, as we, as you say, Carlin, there's more of a, um ability and a freedom to come out and say, Look, maybe I don't exactly fall into this category of what a girl is or what a boy does. Moving on from that point, we had this discussion earlier about what it means to be a tomboy, quote-unquote, is an example of a term that kind of sets you apart from, example, in my personal experience, being a girl who was a little bit... Cl- into guy things, you know, what stereotypical guy things, yeah. what guys do, what the boys do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, first up, I guess, what is, like, what does that word say to you, like tomboy? What is it? I know that you said it doesn't sit right with you, Carl. No, it doesn't. I don't, it, it's just sort of a bit of a stigmatizing, mm. I guess, like unnecessarily stigmatizing. And possibly young people feel it's a way to sort of, identify themselves and maybe give themselves a bit of direction but I think ultimately as sort of gender norms fall off terms like tomboy are really becoming sort of outdated but it's sort Mm. of hard to they seem weirdly sort of passed through the folklore of young people and it's sort of a term that kind of just gets passed down and passed down and passed down Mm. and it's one of those things that I feel sort of hard to uh, steer away from Mm. a little bit I feel yeah, for sure. Um, and this sort of comes with the education. Um, a point that I sort of just thought of recently is the very uh, sort of uh, cis, um, heteronormative, uh, like, sex ed that's taught in a lot of schools. Yeah. I know that, you know, all the sexual education I received in high school was so heteronormative. Mm. And, mm-hmm. like, that was really, you know, that really didn't give a lot of space for anything else. Yeah, and sure. Yeah, I went to a Catholic school. Oh, wow. So, sure. um, yeah, <laughs> very, very yeah. hetero and um, very marriage-orientated when it came to sex and relationships. Um, and, yeah, children as well was always a thing, thing of the conversation. And um, I guess this isn't even... Actually, yeah, it is. I was going to say that it doesn't quite fall into the realm of me not being like, oh, you know, the maternal instinct in me. I never really had that kind of, oh, I want kids kind of thing. And, you know, like being someone going through sexual education in high school and having kind of already had sexual experiences and being like told, oh, you know, wait till marriage and (laughs) sex is sacred. Only do it if you want little ones. And I was kind of like, I don't like I don't want that. And I I don't kind of want to get married at at this point in time obviously either um, <laughs> as a young teenager not right now yeah not right now but also like not looking ahead it's not something that i want but who knows that could always change um but for, keep quite, it mind. for quite some time it's always been something that i've just been like oh, not really fast and <laughs> being like kind of like oh, i don't really want kids it's kind of like do i conform to that motherly stereotype am, am i a good woman because I don't want to have kids at this point in time like 
it raises a whole bunch of questions, I think. Sure. Do what you want, though. Yeah. I feel, you know, I have, you know, friends of my parents that never had kids, mm. but are happily married in that sort of regard. Yeah. You know, I've got uh, cousins that are not married, but have kids. Mm. So, you know, there's a wide spectrum of there. And I think people are sort of getting more and more okay with different sorts of yeah. parenting. Families as yeah, well. Yeah, families, absolutely. Families of, like... Now looking at families is extremely different to looking at families, say, 20 to 30 years ago. Now there are IVF children, there's, you know, adoption, there's, you know, people that are looking, you know, after other people's children, which are now their children, so guardians and that sort of realm. Um, so I think the whole family discussion is very interesting and I, I think it's just a bit of a shame that young females feel that if they don't have well, that they're being told that if they don't have a maternal instinct that they're not so much a woman mm. or that, you know, it plays into a part of, oh, you need, as you said, at a Catholic school, you know, sex is for having children and once mm. you're married and once you're in a capable, loving relationship and that's not the world we're looking at today. Yeah, as I said, sure. there's we're looking at different families, we're looking at different people, we're looking at different visibilities so it's very interesting. That's a whole nother topic that can be for another show. <laughs> yeah, but, sure, um, yeah. But, yeah, just sex education in schools is a very interesting topic. Yeah, massive. Going b- go back to that article just quickly as well, yeah. um, got a segment here from Dr. Jane Ward, who's the author of Not Gay. Uh, told Nick Arnold, who wrote this article for the BBC, straight people have these socially acceptable alibis in order to explain same-sex sexual behaviour. The alibis that are available to men are different to the ones available to women and are consistent with the way we think about masculinity and femininity. Again, kind of going back to those roles of masculine and feminine, but also another interesting point there, um, same-sex relationships and people saying, I'm not of a bisexual or of a same-sex attracted identification. Yeah. Um, Interesting idea like what do you guys it, think it is um and i think again sort of ties back into that uh possible romantic ties mm. into all of this i remember reading an article that sort of spoke of uh men in this instance that i was reading about um sort of kind of not uh f- fully accepting almost that it's the same sex experience because there's no romantic link and they sort of have a very sort of uh, intertwined view of that, you know, sexual and the romantic is sort of one and the same. And if there's not yeah. both of those things, it's kind of neither of those things almost. And so they mm-hmm. sort of justify that, again, sort of same-sex experiences by being like, well, there's no romantic ties here. It's purely um, sexualized. And, you know, in a weird sort of masturbatory, uh, like almost a human Dildo. I, I re- that was. I think that was a quote <laughs> yeah. in the article, yeah. and that was sort of a yeah, like a, a like a living sex thing that you could interact right. with, rather than necessarily an experience with a with another person and sort of identifying it that way. Oh, it just as you say that, it sounds really um, detached, just from what. Yeah. It, yeah. It just sounds like a really detached idea from something that is like. It, I guess that we here at, at Naughty Rude perceive as a like a an acceptable and like a positive reality you know like that sort of interaction and i can understand how people turn away from that because there is that stigma and you have like your your phrases and your words that make it colloquial and it's a bit of a joke like for example no homo is kind of like a 
a thing that goes uh, alongside that yeah. and puts those sort of relationships as a joke. It's a very problematic term Yeah, that I find. I get kind of offended when people say, no homo, bro, like, no homo. Yeah, all the time, or, right? You know, it's like, why hug not? Hug their mate and say, oh, but yeah, no homo. Yeah. It's like... Why not you, let it be a little homo? That's yeah. kind of fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Uh, or maybe not sexualize your experience with your mates as, you know, giving someone a hug is making yeah, a homo. Like, exactly. You hug your parents, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. It doesn't need to be a... It's extremely a, a sexual, problematic. I'm, I'm touching you. This is definitely not sexual. Okay, yeah. sure. I think, that, yeah, it just comes back to, like, guys will be guys kind of thing, and that's just so not okay. Boys will be yeah. boys. boys. Boys will be boys. The lads. Yeah, the lads, you know. Yeah, like, the boys. Yes, <laughs> the boys. Oh, good Lord. Oh, man. I think that's a, that's a good place to leave that that topic there, and we might Absolutely. come back to it later on as well. Uh, we're going to be answering some of your questions on the other side of this song break, so if you've got any, send us a question at thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. We're going to play a song for you now by Electric Six, and it's called Gay Bar. Yeah. yeah. Cracking tune. One of <laughs> my favourite all-time songs. Awesome. Glad to hear that. You are listening to The Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. You're listening to The Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. That song was Gay Bar by Electric Six. What a tune. It's Ooh. a cracker. <laughs> You're here with Erin, Carlin and Kate tonight. And we're answering your questions right now on the Tumblr. So if you've got any, send them to us at thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Let's start with... Okay, here's a good one. How do I remain friends with my crush who shows no interest when it hurts to see her with someone else? Ooh. That sucks, first up. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry that you're in that position. It's a very crappy position to be in. And I think we've all been there. Um, <laughs> someone we like is unavailable. And oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really hard to just kind of turn off your feelings for someone. When story you like someone. of my life. Yeah. yeah. I guess it depends how severe the feelings are. Yeah. I yeah. guess. I in guess a lot of that's ways. true. Um, maybe in that really sort of lame, if you love it, let it go. Mm. And it'll come back to you, maybe, if it's meant to be. Well, cliches have a purpose. I mean, they're still it's around true. for a reason. Yeah. So <laughs> they must be or useful. even absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's Oh, that's Ooh. a tough one, though. Maybe see if they come back, let them go, and if they come back. But I think, in all seriousness, the way to handle that situation would be, well, I obviously don't know... Um, if you've made your feelings clear, if there's been any interactions between the two of you, um, if he knows, if sh- she, sorry, knows that you're crushing on her. But um, That's I a think good point. just, yeah, because that does, that does change it a little bit. But yeah. I think just remaining friends and just showing that you are there for them is very important. If they look like they're having a tough time, or just go up to them and say, hey, are you okay? Which also lets them know that you are you do care about them and you are interested in them sure. but without becoming too over the top and um, I think if you see them with someone else I think it's just important to just realise that I don't know, as I said I don't know your situation but <laughs> when, you see, when you see someone with someone else that it does really really hurt um, a lot of the time but just make sure that they're actually a good suited person for your crush would be great because yeah. su- nothing sucks even more when it's a shitty person mm. hanging out with your crush. This, so This is a situation I've been in mm. a few times and successfully navigated it in that made it clear but then also being able to really maintain friendships. 
mm. and just like not make it a thing. I feel like mm. if your attitude going into it is like, look, this might work, it might not work. The friendship's possibly more important than this crush. Then mm. you can kind of sort of move on. I think, yeah, yeah, in a lot of my cases, especially, it's been sort of like, I guess the friendship's probably more enduring than yeah. the crushes. There might be other crushes here and there, but um, yeah, look, it might suck in the meantime, but I think you sort of just got to reflect on what's important to you. If it's important to you to uh, tell this person that you have a crush on them, then absolutely do that. And sort of, if I feel like if that affects your relationship with that person, making those feelings clear, maybe it's not a good friendship almost. Hmm. You know what I mean? Not to talk, no, talk shit about your friendship. But. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, um, you might not have an option if you decide to put yourself out on the line. I guess sometimes it might be their option and how they respond to you. They might be like, oh, like the, they don't want to continue the friendship knowing that you have those feelings. And I, like, And that sucks. But yeah. if you're brave enough to put yourself out there on the line and accept what comes from that, I guess you'll learn maybe the hard way but you will find out one way or another like if this person is a valuable friend to you and I guess if it goes to shit like it's only up from there like there, yeah. there will be other experiences and you will get through this one um, to be a bit binary about it yeah. ultimately it's either going to work or it's not going to work yeah. and you kind of need to have that sort of bravery I think going into that and yeah, just being sure. like this is either going to work or it's not going to work and yeah kind of go from there cool uh, next question. I think we answered that one quite well. Beautiful. Um, here's an easy one. What's the best place to take someone on a first date? That's nice. There are lots of options. I, <laughs> um, I The first date I went on with my mm. girlfriend, we'd sort of talked a bit. I met her at my show, 1700. Yeah, right. Another sin show. Yeah, um, love 1700. Get yeah. around 1700. They're uh, awesome. Absolutely. We start again tomorrow. Do if you? anybody's yes. interested. Yeah, we kick on. Um but, yeah, we sort of just sort of talked about a bunch of stuff and she had a friend that was vegan. I'm vegan as well. And sort of we chatted about that a bit. And I was like, hey, you should just take me to one of these vegan places that mm. you keep telling me about. And sort of it was just a nice little, like, why don't you show me something that I would really appreciate? Yeah, cool. Almost Com- sort of. Common interest. Like yeah, bonding absolutely common yeah. interest. Like, just look for anything you can kind of share and value in that way. Yeah, cool. Um I guess some good options if you don't know the person very well, maybe you're meeting up for the first time, like at a bar is a good place to go. Yeah. If you're of age. Um, there's always like ice cream. I know ice cream's like a really cliche or thing. Or Froyo. Froyo is a, it's, a good it's thing. That's very a bit more popular. 2017, isn't it? I know my brother's had some successful first dates at the museum. Free for concession. Ooh. If you guys yeah. are concession, the Melbourne Museum. There are a lot of, I think, just keep your finger on the pulse and look at like cool events that are coming up so i saw that there was a silent disco at the aquarium and i was like god damn it like i'm so pissed off that i'm not interested in anyone at the moment that i (laughs) could take them to here for a date because i think that would be such a cool date having headphones on listening to music dancing with fishes all around you i was yeah i was gonna say just quickly that dancing's a great first date Mm. if you've got that courage to just be like i'm just gonna cut some shapes in yeah, front just of you, sink, and shake your can on the dance floor, exactly. boys and, and if, girls. If you can get around each other dancing, man, then that's like you know meant to yeah. be. Yeah, that, you found that, the one. Exactly, it'll work <laughs> out, man. <laughs> that's awesome. One more question before we go to another break. Um, this is a funny one. We, I don't know if it's. <laughs> I, I don't know if we'll make anything from this, but I would love to read it out on air. Have you ever sexted your mum by mistake, and has she replied? 
No. No. <laughs> no is the short I've, issue. Not that I have accidentally sexted her and she didn't reply. I just have not accidentally done that. Yeah. I've accidentally sexted, like, friends before. <laughs> like, yeah, like the wrong chat box is open. Yeah. I'll just be like... <laughs> had it... Those are my tits. Yeah. 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 No. Sure. Yeah, definitely. How, how, how did that turn that, out? Oh, thankfully it, it was like... Okay, it's happened like once or twice, and thankfully they're like <laughs> close mates who are pretty chill. Like my friends are pretty like low key. Yeah, right, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you do you. Yeah, you do you, man. Like, um, do you want me to forward it to them, kind of deal? Like, I'll pass it on <laughs> for you, like like a messenger owl. Uh, um, see, a lot of my friends now have started to take nudes and send them to me to say, "Do I look okay in this? <laughs> is this, is this okay to send to my new Tinder fling?" Um, oh, that we've now been speaking, obviously in a consensual way, not just randomly sending dick pics. Boys yeah. and girls, don't do it. Don't. It's 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 not acceptable. It's gross. Yeah. No Please one enjoys dick pics. Can, nice. can I touch on this? that quickly, though? <laughs> like, if you sent a dick pic to somebody, sure, they're like, this is... We all know, don't send unsolicited dick pics. Yeah. That's weird. But if you got an unsolicited tit pic, mm. like, that's almost a, fl- a flip side. I feel like people would be like, this is rad. You know yeah. what I mean? There's yeah. a weird, weird stigma about that. There I feel is. people be like, "All right, sure." That, that's that's, that's, that's quite that cool. Is very true, but I think that's just because most people wouldn't have the, you know, the guts to do that. But that's all. That's true. Yeah. Um, but why not? Like, yeah, true. I feel like <laughs> if I was to send pictures again, um, someone would have to explicitly say, hey, what are you doing? Like, would you mind sending me a photo? It would be, have to be someone that I've spoken to for a little while. It can't just be someone that I've just gotten some random dude's number off bloody Tinder or yeah. someone's just messaging me. I think it's, yeah. For me, I think, yeah, nudes are very personal. Sure. And um, I think, yeah, it's just hilarious when my friends send them to me and say, is this okay? Do you think this one looks good? Oh, or do you, do you like this angle a little bit better? Because I'm, you know, I, I'm doing I the I wish my friends were like that. Too. My Goddamn. friend sent me one the other day. I'm doing the duo mi- mirror shot, so I'm trying to get my bum into it, but also take, also take it from into a mirror, but there's a mirror in the background as well, so you can kind of see my bum. Is, oh, this, so, is wow, this a cool yeah. angle? Like, is this too artistic? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, am I going too into this? Say yes. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I, I was going to say, though, yeah. just quickly, I have got texts from my mum to, like, not be so loud during sex. <laughs> that, that's something that's happened a couple times, which is bit, that's a bit funny. That's fantastic. I can imagine, like, a like a knock on the wall or something, be like, shut up, kind of oh, deal I'm on the other side of the house, believe oh it or not, yeah. Decent effort. Like, <laughs> like thanks. Man. Goodbye, you, Carlin. Goodbye, thanks. you. Yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> We're gonna go to another song now. Uh, it's "Low Blows" by Meg Mac. Uh, you are listening to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. Welcome back to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. That was Meg Mac with "Low Blows" from her new album, and that is our feature album this week here at Sin. Love so, Meg Mac. Yeah, I love it. Give it a listen. Um, it's great. Of course, it's Meg Mac. <laughs> You're joined with Erin, Carlin and Kate tonight and we're talking a little bit about bisexual visibility and at the minute we are segueing into a bit of discussion around intersexuality discrimination. So we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff. Uh, first up, we're going to play you a little clip from Joy from 2016 and this was recorded in Bi Visibility Week and it features James from Bisexual Alliance with hosts Anthony and Ruby and they're talking about bisexual issues, uh, what it means to be bisexual, inclusion, and the different discussion groups available. So if you want to hear more of that, we'll give you the link on the other side of this. But here is a uh, little segment from them that uh, we found quite interesting. Here it is. 
Trish, uh, Trisha from Gardenvale, what proportion of bi people are in the closet? Are all bi alliance members open and out? Ooh. It's hard to say. I mean, because they're in the closet, aren't they? So yeah. it's hard. It's Can't very count difficult them to when say. They're in there. A lot of people. <laughs> From what I've read, uh, it seems that uh, bisexual men are more likely to stay closeted um, because for for men, homophobia and queerphobia can be a very a very problematic thing. Like it could be very very bad. Like uh, it's very difficult for um, for a man to sort of feel masculine and also you know be openly queer. It can the, the two things just in mainstream straight society just don't go together, and, and they can face a lot of judgment. And and also bi men then also don't always really feel like they fit in in uh, in gay communities either. So yeah, a lot of a lot of bi men because you just see stuff online where people will say you know don't don't get in a relationship with a bisexual man. Mm. You know, gay men and straight women both say that, and it will, not all of them, but a lot of them do, and it, it can be very hard. So a lot of bi men just choose to stay in the closet. And I which, think a lot of a lot of bi women again. I don't know my own uh, from my, my own experience has been that you know um, we're not taken seriously when we do. So it's like I'm bi. Yeah. It's like oh that's nice. Yeah. What yeah, boy give, try- give it three months. <laughs> yeah, which boy are you trying to get to pay attention to this time? <laughs> it's like yeah, just give it three months and you'll be a lesbian. Well, I think the stats show that um like only about twenty eight percent of bisexuals actually let their friends and family know, compared to about seventy percent of lesbians and seventy seven percent of of gay men. So that's a hugely smaller statistic. I suspect part of it as well is that gay is just it's just such an easy thing to understand. Like uh, even if somebody doesn't necessarily you know agree with it, at least they can understand. It's like okay, you know, I I like people who are the op- of the opposite gender to me you like people who are of the same gender to you fair enough you know i can i can get that um bisexuality people tend to go so what does that mean does that what mm. do you have to alternate is there do you have a roster system what do you, how does this work <laughs> yeah well and as you were saying actually only 12 percent of bisexual men are out of the closet from this yeah. study so really small amount there but just in general so if it's 12 percent, like it's you know less than 30 percent of us actually come out to our friends and family and it's, and it's a vicious cycle because you know, people say, "Oh, you know, bisexual men—they never come out of the closet," and uh, and then that then becomes a stick to beat them with, yeah. which makes them feel negatively about their sexuality, makes them less likely to come out. You know, it, it's it's all you know self-supporting. I, well, I think you know when we and when you look at the effects of discrimination, even if it's not you know through abuse, but just through like you know isolating behaviour, people are less likely to come out and to seek help as well mm. because they don't have those. We don't really have when you're bisexual, you don't really have the supports of either community. The, like the and here's the thing, and this has real repercussions because. Of all the LGBTI community, bisexuals have the worst mental health outcomes. Yeah. They have the highest suicide rates. They have the highest uh, drug abuse rates. Yeah. All, all these sorts of things. They're like basically every single metric of mental health. Bisexuals have it the worst, pretty much of anybody. So coming out the other side of that, that was a segment from Joy um, Community Radio, and that was recorded back in 2016 during Bi Visibility Week. Um, some mention there of mental health and some other issues that potentially, if you found upsetting, we have helplines available for you at all times. You can call 131114 Lifeline or you can call the Kids Helpline on 1800 551800. And there's also Q Life, which are really helpful for uh, queer people and if you've got any issues relating to queer issues, there's 1800 184 527 and, of course, Beyond Blue at 1300 224636. Um, so coming at the other end of that, there's some interesting issues um, that we've spoken a little bit about tonight, but what do you think of this whole like what we were saying before? There's kind of like, we were saying during the break. There's kind of like a precedent for coming out as yeah gay. Um, there but the is. same doesn't exist for um, bisexual people. What do you think, Colin? What do you think about all that? Um, yeah, well, I, I, uh, again, like they touched on in that in that 
thing that even if you kind of don't necessarily agree with it, you can sort of understand being gay and a lot of people sort of understand being gay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, there's not that sort of precedent. It's a weird zone mm. to sort of traipse around in that bisexual, you know, what 28 don't even 28 percent people don't even come out to their yeah, something f- like, yeah. friends and family which surely would be your biggest support mm. um you, you would hope anyway mm. um yeah i think it is important to say um at this stage you have those helplines available to you but you've also got um your support networks around you if you're lucky enough to have family who are really supportive of you if you're feeling these sorts of questions or if you're grappling with these sorts of issues you've got family and you've got mates there around you who can help and there's all sorts of safe spaces that you can find online you can find in your area yeah um, lots i of mean clear events have have faith in your yeah. close circle of friends and yeah, family for sure. i think is the thing you know if they like you as a person mm-hmm. ultimately I, I feel a lot of people like oh y- you know game gay marriage should be fine i i know gay people and they're totally reasonable that they should be allowed to get married you yeah. know and it's that sort of coming to know people that identifies that. And I feel like, again, that's sort of a strong reason why... I mean, look, you don't have to come out, but I feel like it's a strong case um, to come out because then more people know people that identify as that. And they're like, oh, I've got mates that are this whole variety of different things. And they sort of definitely open up a precedent and open up a space for that to sort of happen. For sure. Um, there was a point there that we, we spoke about a little bit before as well, how there was like this, um, the the girl in it, Ruby, mentioned uh, if she were to come out to her friends and say, oh, I'm bisexual, someone would respond and say, oh, who are you, what boy are you trying to impress now? Yeah. And it's, it's a really unfortunate situation, but unfortunately it can be true. I mean, there can be, a, a, whether it's a lack of understanding or it, it does come from a place of malice and there is a dis- discrimination in there. Have, have, have you experienced that at all, Callan? Have you ever been in a position where you felt that someone who should understand where you're coming from in your, in your circle, maybe perhaps in the queer community, has kind of been like, well, they didn't understand where you were coming from or where you were sitting? Um, do you mean as a, just as a bisexual male, I yeah, guess? Yeah, yeah, as a bisexual um, male, have you experienced well, that? Um, I guess I'll tell you a little story, yeah, kind sure. of, <laughs> a little bit. Um, I was in a uh, relationship for a very long time with a girl out of high school, mm. Um was this a six-year relationship? That was a s- yep six-year-long relationship. Um, so if you've got questions about really long-term relationships, <laughs> feel free to send them in, guys. Um, but that was difficult because in a lot of that period where I was trying to actively identify myself as a bisexual uh, male, um, I was getting a lot of in, in in the person that I was, you know, uh, sort of I guess in love with at the time. Um, and sort of was my confidant in a lot of ways and I try to express a lot of things because as you do in high school, you just need that sort of closeness, someone to talk about. I copped a lot of repercussion from her and her family constantly being like, you sure Carlin's not gay? Are you sure he's not like a lot of weird slurs in that way? And I'm like, I'm trying to confide this really personal thing and trying to find the space for myself, but you're just really like actively being like, well, surely that just means you're you're gay then like why are you in this relationship with me it it became a very strange sort of Mm. really difficult space to to work when you're like well this is my closest person to me and they're really not allowing me to talk about this so in going back to that um i have like an anecdote to share as well um 
so a friend of mine met this uh, guy out a few months ago and we were all hanging out and having a great time and she was like, oh, my God, like, Jesus Christ, he is so hot. And she was, like, really vibing him. He was vibing her. And they ended up becoming friends and they were talking for a little bit, had a few little cheeky pashes here and there. Um, But then, um, you know, all these other girls that we were with were like, oh, is he gay? He seems a little bit gay. Like, he's pretty gay. Is he not gay? And she's just like, I don't know. Like, he's hot. We're we're pashing. Like, it's cool. And, um, and And then she... He must have told her and said, look, I'm actually bisexual. And it kind of threw her a little bit for some reason. Oh. Why, like, it shouldn't have. But she decided, oh, I don't think, like, I could really go there. I don't think I could see myself getting with a bisexual, being with a bisexual guy or dating one because, I mean... And this comes into, like, a Seinfeld thing. Like, you know, I don't know if you've seen the episode where Elaine is trying to convert a, a gay guy and then oh, Jer- yeah. um, Jerry and her are talking about, um, well, how are you going to convert him? He's Like, he knows how to use his equipment. He's with that equipment 24 hours a day. So you can't, you're uh, never going to be better at that than he is with another male because he is he's so familiar with that you know, sure. genital, whatever. And um, yeah. I just found that really funny. So that reminded me of, she was saying, oh, but I think, you know, if he, he likes guys, like he'll probably, he's probably going to be happier with a guy because if he's not interested in me, like, you know, she just took it very personally. That's a yeah, strange thought space. And um, I think she thought that, oh, maybe he's saying he's bisexual and he's actually gay because I think a lot of the time um, people assume that males coming out as bisexual are actually just gay but they don't want to admit it to themselves yeah and it's a very um patronizing point of view oh you you know it's okay you're you're saying you're bisexual but we we all know you're gay like deep down it's just that sort of um yeah so i just found that really funny and now she's dating someone else but um and nothing really eventuated there they're still great friends but um I think he wanted to take her out on a date and I think she was kind of like, oh, I don't really know about it because he told me he was bisexual. And I was like, "Yeah, it's a shame that um, she felt that way. But obviously she's entitled to feel whatever way she wants and that's just maybe not something she's comfortable with at the moment. But um, it'd be great if she had spoken about it or, um, you know, sort of thought, okay, maybe he does really like me because we were vibing really like a lot. I don't think he's interested in getting with a dude right now. He seems pretty interested in me. But I think there's that internal monologue of Mm -hmm. self-doubt. He's been with guys before. Um, I don't know what I'm doing because that's a different, like sex with a male and sex with a female is so different. Maybe she's just got, you know, maybe why wouldn't he just stick to sex with a female? He must prefer that more. Maybe that's what she was... I think that's where she was going with that. Sure. It, it's, I guess it's a weird headspace to wrap your head around if it's not something you've really yeah. thought about before. And I guess that mm. ties back into my point a little bit about people just being like, well, if you're bisexual, you just kind of haven't made your mind up, yeah, I right. guess. Yeah, it's a weird space. Um, some other resources that we didn't mention as well uh, from minus 18. Minus 18 are really helpful with um, 
those sorts of issues and especially yes. like sexuality they're very great they've got a bunch of resources I'm going to post a brief resources page from them up on the Twitter as well so you can go to at Naughty Root if you were looking for some more information on where you can get support and um, some more information and education around sexuality and bisexuality as well I'll be posting some links um, some tips for fighting discrimination as outlined Ooh. in <laughs> as outlined in this triple bypass segment from Joy as well. Celebrating events like International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia and, and other events, obviously, by, by Visibility Day in, I think, is it 23rd of September? I think it is off the top of my head. Yep. Um, yeah, nationwide and uh, worldwide. <laughs> so get around global. those events. Yeah, global. The Go. moon as well, probably, I hope. <laughs> probably Mars. Jeez. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> um, Not Pluto, though. It is no longer a planet. Oh, don't remind me. That's yeah, really sad. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so there's all those sorts of events and days, special days for people that celebrate being queer and um, being comfortable in, in that space and like accepting each other for however we choose to define ourselves yes. um, different queer spaces that you can celebrate these events in which I'm sure you can find in your area locally um, another point calling out heterosexist and cissexist behaviour I think that's a big one because it's very um, inclusive of both sides of the sure. coin because yeah again I guess it comes like it's gender and discrimination are not binary you know there's different <laughs> if we put it that way if like if our gender is not binary then neither is the way we discriminate gender like yeah we've got to think about it all different ways support so, everybody yeah. for whatever decisions they yeah totally. they make as long as they're being true to themselves mm, exactly then support everybody that's it and again respecting queer spaces so yeah um yeah just respecting people in those spaces and um yeah and can i can i just add i yeah, think it, i think it's very important for um uh, hetero people to actively support queer spaces. Of course. To yeah. be an ally. Yeah, absolutely. To be an active ally as well. Mm. You know, not just to be like, well, I support this, but to really yeah. sort of speak out against, you know, homophobia and transphobia. Yeah. Um, See it as a call to arms, listener. <laughs> this is yeah, your, absolutely. This is your moment. Rise up. <laughs> Rise up. Uh, coming up now, we're going to go to another song, and after that, we'll be answering your questions. So send them through to the naughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Uh, I'm going to play some Kesha. Is that okay with everyone? Yeah. Awesome. This is Kesha with Take It Off. You're listening to the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. Welcome back to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. That was Kesha with Take It Off. Thank you for letting me play that. That really took me back to my year seven days, guys, showing Aww. my age again. <laughs> <laughs> You're here with Erin, Carlin and Kate tonight and we're talking about bisexual visibility and a whole bunch of other things now as we answer your questions on the Tumblr. If you have any for us, send them into the com forward slash ask. Get weird. Yeah. Like, really weird. We, we love it. It's yeah. actually so amusing. Throw us <laughs> off. <laughs> um, here's a good one. How c- Okay, th- this is cute. Oh. <laughs> How can I be a better friend to those close to me? It's a nice little, like, oh, wow. relationship sentiment there. Oh, bless your cotton socks, honey. Yeah. That's such <laughs> a good question. It made me feel very warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, right. Um, so I think the most important thing um, for me and how I would identify myself as a good friend is just showing you care and just um, going out of your way. You might be busy, but um, messaging someone and saying, hey, how's your day going and things like that because I think a lot of 
you know, people, friends kind of drop off and, oh, I'm very busy, have, sorry I didn't message you for, you know, two weeks or something like that. I think it's just important to, you know, just do social maintenance and check how people are going. Yeah, just make sure nobody's uh, ever isolated. Yeah. Just giving them a, a dialogue with anybody at any time to make sure they don't sort of just fall off into their own sort of weird headspace, I guess. that's when it gets, yeah, exactly. dangerous that's and upsetting. And that's, I think that's pretty much basically all you need to do to be a good friend, really, in my opinion, is to um, show you care, ask how someone's going, identify, like, signs as well. Um, hey, they look really, really happy recently and they look like they're, glowing give them a compliment say hey mate you look like you're doing really well yeah mm-hmm. engage in that and just yeah just yeah that's what i think as well also making sure your friends are safe um i try to do this a lot with my friends is when you know you go out i think people are, it, it's very hard when you go out with your friends to a nightclub or out to a bar or even at a house party and you're doing your own thing maybe drinking or having social interactions and then you kind of lose your friends for a little bit Uh, like even at a music festival just making sure you go and spend the time looking for your friend for at least you know don't have to go out if you weigh too much maybe five minutes and just hey are they still here hey have you seen um you know x y and z like are they still here what's going on and then if someone is a bit like you know um just make sure they you make sure that they you know where they're going. I mean, are you going to this person's house yet? Yeah, cool. Don't, um, and then just realise, I don't know, as well, making sure people get home safely is like a yeah. huge one for me to make sure that that's when I kind of know that I'm being a good friend is when, hey, are they in an Uber okay? Are they in the cab? Like, mm-hmm. are they getting home safely? Cool. They seem to be a little bit, you know, they were doing their thing before. I think, yeah, that's an important thing is basically, as I said, looking after your friends, making sure they're okay, and just, yeah, asking them how they're going. Checking up. That's great. Say I love you. Yes. Definitely say I love you. Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. There's no shame in saying I love you to a mate. So, yeah, one of my friends, actually, interestingly enough, um, he's like a graphic designer, and he started this um, movement recently, and it's called Tell Your Friends You Love Them. And so they've printed... um, tote bags and t-shirts and things like that Ooh. i'm not here to plug them i'm just saying it's <laughs> such a yeah. it's such a great um just such a great initiative to have that it's kind of taps into the whole are you okay day yeah. and um but on a more um gorilla level going out there and say tell your friends you love them wearing you see someone wearing a tote bag that says tell your friends you love them and you're like hey, I should be doing that. Just make sure everyone feels appreciated and it's very important as young people to make sure that your friends feel like they're comfortable and that they're your friends and that you get the same in return. Everyone should be getting the same. Everyone should be, you know, being told, mate, love your work, good job. Spot on. (laughs) Spot on. Another question here from um, Anonymous. Again, these have all been from Anonymous tonight, so that's a reminder for you all. Yeah, we love Anonymous submissions. Um, Completely safe space here at Naughty Rude. You can send in a question anonymous. It's completely free. Um, Yeah, it's a win-win, really. Send us a question. I'm a girl and just wondering, what's the difference between being attracted to girls and just admiring them? Is there a difference? Ooh. It's a bit loaded. I think think there's... um, Again, there's some similar 
segues into what we've been talking about tonight. There's a bit of like stigma sometimes, um, particularly in the sense of being like in the female perspective. I think sometimes it can be difficult to differentiate between like. It, like is this girl pretty or like do I just like her shoes do I like the way she's dressed or like do I physically am I attracted to her I'll give an example one yeah, of my okay. one of my girlfriend's uh, friends is uh, very actively a straight woman mm-hmm. and she's like I love women I really really love women and would like to like them anyway, but I just don't but I just really love women yeah you know and it, it, it straight doesn't have that sort of feelings for women but yeah just really genuinely admires them yeah right um well i think yeah i think that's the first thing you need to recognize um and i don't know if there's a a straight up answer for figuring that out i think it might take a little bit of um trial and error maybe it might have to like try a, a relationship not necessarily a relationship but you might have to like experiment in that area of heading towards some sort of like intimate relationship, maybe with a girl, if you think that the attraction might be sexual, yeah, um, because like no harm in heading y- down that road. Yeah, exactly. There's no harm in it um, as long as it's in a safe space and you're with someone that y- you know you feel safe with and yeah. you're comfortable with. Um, yeah, I think. I think that, I mean it, that this question almost touches on a little bit of feminism. I think and just empowerment. You just like I just love women. Yeah. They just rock and roll amazing people yeah, right. and like I can support that um, yeah uh, maybe even like I was just thinking there going back to um, what I was speaking about earlier tonight how I was saying growing up I would have identified as a tomboy mm. um, this was definitely a question that I had all the time growing up being like oh you know like do I just think girls look nice? Do I think they're pretty? Do I uh, do I see like a future with a woman? Am I sexually attracted to a woman? Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that uh, you have to just reflect with anything in life. If you're going to come to terms with your cognitive process and like how your emotions and how you're feeling about things, you just have to reflect and whether you do that personally in a safe space whether you, maybe you've got a notebook or something like I know that that helps me that's a personal thing that I do um, if my feelings are, and my thoughts are just a little bit mumbo jumbo I might like write things down until they kind of seem a bit more coherent okay. um, and that's just a personal strategy that I have when it comes to reflection but you know it doesn't have to be so tangible it can <laughs> be, <laughs> I'm very like to the book obviously um, but it can be um, just kind of like a it's just a thought process where you go, oh, maybe I'm into girls and maybe I'm not. And, like, be open to whatever the answer is that comes. Because yeah, think, absolutely. Yeah, I think the an- the true answer will be whatever comes with y- your gut feeling a lot of the time is trust your gut kind of thing. Yeah, and it, with everything, I feel like there's a spectrum between sort yeah. of the admiring women and, like, having attraction to women. Like, For sure. Why not let them be a little bit intertwined and kind of just be a bit... Yeah, you can be mysterious, um, admiring and attractive at the same time to a person. One hundred percent. That's true. So that is true. And you can also find somebody attractive but not be attracted to them. You know, it's sort of you mm, know a bit yeah. of a backwards way. You can be like, I can identify you as a gorgeous human. But yeah, I'm not exactly. attracted to you. Yeah, totally. So don't stress, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of how you're feeling or whether you don't quite know how you're feeling. Um, I guess it'll all come together eventually is all I can say. Yeah, just take some steps and... Yeah, yeah. Be uh, open. Let's do one more question before we head to a song. 
Um, did we do this one? I don't think we did this one. Getting over someone tips. Did we do that one? Had a nasty breakup and struggling to get by. Ooh, I think I think we touched it in the break. Yeah, we, in the one. break. Yeah. 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 Um, well, again, uh, crappy situation and condolences. Very sorry. like I always say, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone. That's a joke. Or on but, top um, of. <laughs> or on top or of. Or on top, yeah. <laughs> Either way. No, but for me to get over someone, I need to be in a social um, I need to be in a social environment. I need to be meeting new people and talking and engaging with other people. That's the only thing that gets my mind off, you know, um, I wouldn't say heartbreak, but disappointment in a relationship mm. is to go out and meet new people and, you know, get, as lame as it sounds, get the validation that, hey, I don't need this person. Like... I'm doing great by myself and everyone thinks I'm awesome yeah. Yeah. and I'm enjoying other people's company as well. Um, there's, I think the worst thing you can do it, it would be to like sit at home and mope about it and think, oh, this was could have worked out really well. Um, I think, yeah, if, it was, if it's going to work out, it will work out. If it's not, it won't. And then just be comfortable and we're all young. Like, there's, yeah, no, absolutely. there's no pressure to, yeah. oh, this oh, this breakup didn't work out, oh, but I thought they were the, the one or whatever. There's plenty of fish in the sea. That's what it's they true. always and it, say. It doesn't always seem like there is, but 100%. Yeah, there's so yeah. many Just, fish. <laughs> and I know a lot of relationships can kind of take you away from a lot of other stuff as well. Yeah. Um, friends, etc. You know, it can be a bit isolating in a weird way, I guess, yeah. when you get really involved in some of those deeper things. Oh, and sure. I think it's just sort of re- yeah, important to reconnect yeah, with, definitely. with sort of things that you were really uh, a part of before that happened and just be yeah. like, oh, okay, so this is what things were like beforehand and that it was okay then, mm-hmm. so it'll be fine now. I think another getting over someone tip would be um, to make sure that you have space and to, if you're thinking about messaging someone, if you're thinking about messaging them, which might be inappropriate, if, you, if you've decided, I need a week where I'm just doing me, you know, you do you, and then um, and then you get tempted to message them. Maybe a th- tip I do actually a lot when I get tempted to message people I shouldn't do. Um, I actually delete their number in my phone, yeah. um, but and also delete the messages that so because you can see the number yeah. and the previous messages. So you're not going through and scrolling through. Oh, remember this time that he or she said this to me and that was really sweet and I remember this time we were having an argument so you don't look through all of that bullshit and then if they choose to message you then you will know when that miscellaneous number comes up and you'll know that that's them and that's just that's just a safe thing to do is to you know, step back and give yourself a little bit of space. That's that's a tip that I use. Yeah, um, it's important to have that clarity, like because you're in that space where you are upset and you might be, um, yeah, hurting a bit, and you might not be thinking as you would normally um, if you weren't in such a, a difficult situation. So, um, I also it's kind of important as well. I found in in some of my cases that to uh, not reflect on being like, oh, this was such a good time and we were so connected then and this and this. But, like, to be able to isolate that and be like, okay, that was great. They didn't, that was that was fine. They were good experiences. Sure, ultimately, that's not what it ended up in. But not necessarily not throwing away all of those oh, um, yeah. positive yeah. Uh, experiences that you had with, with this person. Because, yeah, like, I mean, it helps you grow as a person, I guess. But mm-hmm. being able to isolate that from what it was. 
Yeah, for sure. Like treasure the memories, but you know you've got this whole future ahead of you. Yeah, you can make new. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It'll always be a part of you, but like absolutely move on. Just like the next step. Yeah, moving on. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Um, I I guess maybe if you are in a difficult situation and you're feeling like you you do need a little bit of extra help, um, if you're feeling extra low, there are resources available to you. Um, in particular, we've got some helplines available. There's Lifeline on 131114. We've got Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800. Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. And we've also got Q Live uh, 1800 184527. And with that, I think we'll go to another song. Ooh, what do we got? Let's go with For Good with Remy featuring Sampa the Great. Love it. One of, one of my faves of Bit of, the year, of Aussie Star. I love the Aussie saw stuff. Remy at love the uh, Community Cup. That was, I was uh, also uh, yeah. there. Rock and roll, yeah, that was great. The Pete oh. Tempel was amazing. Spider Bait oh, as well. Great. Oh, Spider Bait. Oh, what a close. Awesome. Well, we're so going to play that for you talk now. about this yeah, more. We'll, t- we'll have a little bit of a fan <laughs> moment here um, during the break, but enjoy this track. There's a little bit of cussing in it, but I'm sure you won't mind. It is late night. Uh, you're listening to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. Welcome back to the Naughty Rude Show here on Sin Nation. That was Remy featuring Sampa the Great with For Good and a little outro there because um, mm. it's the album version, you know? Mm. Got to rep the album. Great album. So tasty. Demons and Demons. It's such mm, a sexy, good record. Sexy, sexy. Uh, yeah, very sexy. And this is also the Naughty Rude Show, so things <laughs> do get quite steamy in here. Uh, this is Erin, Callan and Kate joining you tonight. And we are going to talk a little bit more in depth now about gender identity. So we've been talking about um, bisexual visibility and some other issues throughout the evening. Um, we've also been answering your questions at thenaughtyroodshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. So if you've got any more for us and we can answer them um, at the end of the show, by all means, send them through. Uh, to start off, I'm going to play you a little segment from a TED Talk. And it's from author... Um, his name is Sam Killerman, and it's on understanding the complexities of gender. And... The first part that I want to play for you is um, just a little segment where he outlines how uh, the best way to define gender, essentially, and understanding gender. So here it is for you now. The easiest way to understand gender is to break into three distinct pieces. One, gender identity, which is who you in your head know yourself to be. More on this in a bit. Two, gender expression, the ways you present gender through your actions, dress, and demeanor. And three, biological sex, the physical characteristics you're born with. So those are kind of the ideas that um, Sam brings up in, in the speech that he does. And here's a little bit of a summary that he gives at the end of the entire talk and the, the points he tries to get across. One, let's all agree that gender is more complex than what we learn as kids. Two, while biological sex is certainly a component of gender, it is not a determinant. That is, the biological sex characteristics you're born with don't really have any mandate on who you'll grow up to be. People who are born with penises are taught to be boys. People who are born with vaginas are taught to be girls. Three, gender identity, how you make sense of gender in your head, sometimes aligns with your biological sex, and sometimes it doesn't. Four, your gender expression is a separate thing entirely. It's how you present gender to the world, and sometimes it aligns with your biological sex and your gender identity, and a lot of times it doesn't. So that there was Sam Killerman on his TED Talk on understanding the complexities of gender. 
And some really interesting points he raises there about how society has kind of shifted in the way that we view gender in recent years. Yeah. Any thoughts, guys, first up, about, like, just some of the basic ideas that come through? I mean, like, we want to go into this discussion and say, should we as a society... um, keep considering that this this breadth of gender identity is going to continue growing or i mean we could play devil's advocate and we can debate should we decide to drop the idea of gender identity completely i mean yeah we can look I, at it on both sides what do you guys think i mean on a personal level i'm this opinion only yeah sure um but so in favor of dropping gender full mm. stop i mean really it it doesn't i mean sure if if that aligns with your biology but i feel like that's really not indicative of Mm. um, identity in any any way it is really like it's complicated and listening to that ted talk for the first time as well um in full which i'll post the link to on our twitter as well at naughty rude there's a lot going on and it's i can imagine for a first-time listener and as a first-time listener it was a lot to get your head around in terms of like what defines gender and like there was a lot of conversation about how we're not binary in any way we're like taught from a young age that there's male and female and like because you're taught that you have to kind of like think backwards and go oh hang on is this it's it's very overwhelming I think as someone coming to it for the first time Mm. especially and being like okay what does that mean essentially like what what are we if we're not man and woman in the real world, if that's just the way we've been taught and it's not actually true, then should gender just be obsolete? Like, should it just kind of disappear? If it doesn't, if it's not inclusive for everyone, uh, it's just... Yeah, well, it, I feel gender divides people more than unites people. Yeah. And we need more things that unite people, I yeah. guess, um, mm, ultimately. It, yeah, it is an interesting thing because, like, we talk about... Um, issues in the, uh, the the gay community and the queer community about like different sexualities and um, navigating that space and that spectrum and then we talk about gender which we know um, can be two very different things um, so I can imagine like getting your head around that is, it's is really very difficult, difficult because I agree that um, gender doesn't play an um, a huge role in society and it is more oppressive than inclusive. Although we do need it in certain situations. So there was a debate that I um, looked into that was saying um, on passports and driver's licences, it shouldn't specify whether someone's even female, male or female. It should completely not even have that on there at all. But then that actually is can be problematic in like other things um, such as health records and things like that. It does need to be recorded um, like when you go to the doctor or when you get admitted into a hospital, it does need to be like certain things do need to be on there Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, say getting pap smears or, you know, things like that. It does, it does play a role, um, which is on a biological level. Oh, on a biological level, of course. Um, but that's that's just the part of the debate I found interesting was people would like, oh, we should scratch it completely. And as I say, this is opinion only. Um, I think that was really great. And I was like, oh, why is it even on our passports? It's not it's not relevant. We need to we should cut that out. But then I was thinking, oh, actually, the counter argument is that it 
it can be useful in some situations. Mm. Um, so I found myself more and more personally, like I filled out so many forms for this and that recently. I will pick non-specified yeah, every right. time. I don't want to play into that sort of data gathering mm. game or <laughs> any of those things. It's it's more of a almost like a fuck you to the establishment mm. almost a little bit. Just like is, I really don't want to play into this too much if it's mm. not directly to do with my biological function. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, I don't want to have to make this a thing. So do you think then that might actually be the key? And even like Sam touches that in the TED Talk, separating those three components that he lists, like gender identity, what you believe you are in your mind, and then like your biological disposition and the third one which is escaping me at this point in time but um making sure that there's kind of like a knowledge and an awareness that they're they're very different things sometimes or does that further complicate things um i mean a little both i guess i thought those points were laid out really super clearly but i think um what was the first point again so the first one i think he spoke about um how you feel in your mind so that would be gender identity um, is how you feel yeah yeah Mm. do you I mean, I guess people do feel that way, but is that sort of programmed from early age or is that something you just feel, you is know what I mean? Yeah, and is it something that you need to feel? Is it something you can just be like, it doesn't really... I don't think I've ever really... Oh, no, that's a lie. I was going to say I don't think I've ever really felt my gender and, you know, thought, hey, like, my mood is I'm a female. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. then there are times when I'm like, oh... It's just such a hard like construct to get around, and I think it's it's very difficult for me as someone that is cisgender to talk about because I don't really have an authority on it. But yeah, sure. yeah. Um, I'm am super fascinated, and I have we we all have friends that have you know um, are non-binary. So um, I think yeah, it's about being an ally and trying to understand um, what what. Um, you know, gender identity really does look like and how it feels. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, I think it's really important. On that point as well of um, being an ally, and I guess we could talk then about representation in, in the wider community of sexuality and gender in in the form of gay icons. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of the And those kind of the first image that people see when we're talking about gender identity and, and um, sexual diversity, we see people in pop culture and um, mainstream media as, I guess, what this should look like or maybe they're advocates for um, opening up the avenues for discussion about these sorts of things. Um, we've got Ariana Grande listed here as one. Carlin, did you want to la- elaborate on that one? Yeah, this sort of popped up recently, I think. Um, I'm not quite sure. No, it was in reference to RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, sure. I yeah. believe um, she probably featured quite heavily on that she show. Was, I, she was on... One episode, yeah, she was a um, a guest um, judge, and then I think they've also do lip sync battles at the end of every RuPaul's Drag Race, which I'm sure yeah. a lot of our listeners are familiar with. Yeah. And they have featured a few Ariana Grande songs. I mean, and okay. someone also impersonated Ariana Grande. They have this thing called the Snatch Game, and everyone impersonates a celebrity that they identify with and thinks funny. And someone also, yes, yeah, so she is very prominent in the gay community, which wasn't something that I had actually realised until recently yeah and i mean who doesn't love ariana grande really she's yeah she's in- incredible she's um but it's sort of been interesting um because billboard sort of talked about how she's a gay icon um but sort of a lot of people uh she's come under fire because she's not on the sort of lgbtqi yeah, plus spectrum um, she identifies as a straight woman and it's sort of 
uh, I guess raises a question: Can straight people be gay icons? I guess. Well, I mean, isn't Kylie Minogue, Barbara Streisand, like, are, are they not straight females as well? Like, well, what we've been saying all night um, is that everyone kind of needs to that word again be an ally and. Um, yeah. Regardless of where you sit on the spectrum, you, we should all kind of just be supporting each other for what we are and supporting our mates and looking after our mates. And, like, um, I think the same goes for, um, yeah, icons in, in this realm. Like, yeah, it shouldn't really matter where they sit, but if they're advocating for the rights of those people and um, they're creating a conversation in a positive way, it should be fine. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, yeah important that everybody has a voice in Mm. Yeah, absolutely, being an ally. And no matter where you fit on that spectrum, on that spectrum or out of that spectrum, wherever you fit, yeah, for um, sure. just being an ally is yep, key. So what about um, when we talk about the LGBTIQI plus community in that broader sense, um, when we refer to it, I, I guess being an outsider as an icon can it it might be sometimes difficult if say for example a straight person who is considered a gay icon is trying to represent that world fairly and they're trying to use the right terminology and stuff if we're referring to that community as gay and we're talking about things that happen around that community for example same-sex marriage is often referred to colloquially as, as gay marriage um what does that mean what does that mean for the perspective and how things are perceived in the conversation yeah i don't know the the gay marriage thing i hear that so yeah. often i saw it on a friend's facebook post yesterday and i had to chime in and sort of just put that little cute little asterisk same-sex <laughs> marriage yeah. Yeah. underneath trying to correct them because uh, again as a bisexual man i i would like the opportunity to marry a man and i'm not of course gay identifying yeah i think yeah i think it's important to sometimes we do slip up and most people will slip up and use the wrong um, colloquialism at times. I mean, I have used um, the term gay marriage before, but in being told that or, you know, being informed that the correct way to say that would be actually same-sex marriage, um, I think it's just, you know, picking and choosing your words. But that's not to say that someone that says um, gay marriage or, you know, um, isn't actually an ally because they... or doesn't advocate for the right reasons. And I think it's very interesting because a lot of these gay icons have come under fire and, like, such as Ariana Grande. I remember she, like, used a um, a slur one time, which wasn't – which was meant to be empowering, but because it came from a straight female, everyone, uh, sure. you know, yeah. went in on her. She's a, she's a young woman. Maybe she wasn't informed that that was – all you can do is inform people and say – Hey, would you mind using this word? Like it's like when people yeah, say thing, yeah. um, "aborigine," which is that's <laughs> not that's not an acceptable Ooh. term. Yeah. Or "aboriginal," that is more that's more accepted. First, but, First Nations, but I would have thought these it's, days. It's, it's, or it's in terms of that specific example, it's uh, and can be applied broader. It's what the person chooses to yeah. be identified as. So yeah, it's about it's about sure. having that discussion yeah. with the individual because at the end of the day, it is an individual choice. I think to decide yeah. what your personal label is in the broader community. And some people I've also heard have been offended. Um, uh, offended by the term queer because yeah. that's just that that doesn't sit with them personally and I think it's important to use the word which the broadest community identifies with so that would be indigenous instead of aborigine or um, that would be um, 
you know, same-sex marriage instead of gay marriage. Or marriage equality. Or marriage even. equality as well. That's um, Or, yeah, as you said, um, using queer now um, actually um, reaches a broad spectrum of people and most people would say that that's the accepted word to use in a lot of situations. So I think it's important to do use those words, but if you're told this doesn't sit well with me, I would prefer this term or this... As I said, it's all labels and it can all be bullshit, but it's a sensitivity thing and it is important because it does make people feel isolated and excluded if the wrong um, brackets are used. And that's the thing that I found funny that um, people were coming. um, Ariana Grande was actually getting slammed because she had used the wrong colloquialism and that wasn't coming from a place of hatred but everyone you know oh how dare she like but she's still done amazing things advocating for she's still raised a lot more money than you know (laughs) for marriage equality or something like that than you know joe blog sitting on twitter saying how dare she use that you know yeah incorrect uh, 100 percent um i had a massive conversation with my Mm mum the other day sort of just discussing with her the the importance of the just the, the word queer these days is sort of a better um, catch-all. And she was sort of coming at it from the perspective of her uh, her generation just having a, a really negative connotation to word yeah, queer, sure. you know, as like peculiar, strange sort of yeah, angle for it. Yeah. And I was saying, well, you know, these days it's kind of a, a, a much more accepted um, sort of blanket term, if you will. It's a blanket term, you know, your mileage may vary. but We're here. We're queer. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I find it empowering personally as somebody who identifies on that spectrum. Queer yeah. is like a great. I love that word. It's just yeah, cool. You know, Q words are the best. It's about having the conversation. I think at the end of the day, and whether it's yeah. we're talking about gender, whether we're talking about sexuality, it's important to just kind of be aware. And it's okay, I think, to make mistakes. It's better to um, go in and ask, hey how would you like to be identified as or maybe just asking for more information instead of being afraid of it because I think when we're afraid of it that's when it slips under the radar and then we have issues like this invisibility of people and it's when people start to feel excluded in the community because they're not being spoken to rather than like spoken about it's just the same as anything like you wouldn't speak to someone about how they feel you'd you'd have the conversation with them about how they're doing or whatever so i think yeah just like don't be afraid to stuff up at the end of the day is kind of like key tips and just because you're being sincere you're being sincere you're genuinely reaching out you want to know more and um i think that's the key to having this equality amongst all of us is if we just keep talking to each other make it a conversation because it's it's a work in progress i think equality and yeah that's that's the thing yeah yeah yeah. at at this point in time it always will be yeah to to some degree yeah sure keep going back and forward and like change will come if we just you know be tolerant and understanding and um willing to learn and open all the key positive yeah. vibes going I, on here. And I, I think it's important as a, as a queer person just to be really open yeah. to people asking you questions. Yeah, sure. And, you know, if, if they're interested, then giving them as much information as you can and just trying to educate them a little bit yeah, if, if that's what they're genuinely seeking from you. Cause mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, the best way to tell people is just to be empowered yourself and be like, well, here's kind of some things about me and of course. the community. We have one question that's come through, actually. We yeah. might answer that because... Is it, it is, is it great? It, it, 
It's a good one, given that it has just come through. We might answer it. <laughs> yeah, before we wrap up, sure. let's answer this question. Um, my girlfriend and I struggle to deal with conflict at times. We lose patience in each other quickly due to poor communication. Most of the time I empathise, but recently I have begun to care less about her point of view. Is this a sign we should break up? Yes. <laughs> I, would, I would say communication is just like the most important mm. thing you know if you've got a communication breakdown you're not going to be seeing eye to eye the reason I said yes so abruptly <laughs> was because I feel that's very true and I feel like building communication is extremely hard and it sounds like um, if you're not if you're caring less and less about her point of view it could be very difficult to get that communication back but um, yeah basically I think that might be a sign things aren't too great um but yeah you, i feel like you can turn it around though. you can there's you can definitely build on communication but uh, um i think it's important in a lot of times. the question was is this a sign we should break up so i said yes i i mean i'm inclined i'm inclined to agree with you there sure but sort of on a broader point those being able to take a time out and just talk about things like really, really with someone, like really yeah. in a real sense, mm. it's uh, but you definitely can work vital. on it, um, for yeah. sure. And if I think it would be a waste if you didn't, you know, work on getting how to deal with that conflict, um, and how to build patience if you're losing patience with each other quickly yeah. due yeah. to poor communication, it would be. Like a damn shame if you, you know, just said, Oh, all right, well, we're not communicating very well. Um, let's call it quits. And you didn't try. And, you know, just give it a few weeks, a few months, whatever your, you know, time period is. It doesn't have to be too stringent and just figure out. And then once it doesn't feel like it's going to get better, then. Yeah, I think resilience is one of the best qualities you can have in yourself and in a relationship. If you can keep coming back from conflict, because conflict's a totally natural human response in any situation. Yeah. So yeah, all relationships have ups and downs, and I find even with my friends, I get you know sometimes I get I care less and less about their <laughs> points of view, and I get sick of them, and I'm like, God. I don't think you under, even understand what you're saying. I'm just so sick of listening to the same bullshit all the time. But that's just coming from a friendship point of view. And then, like, a few days later, I'll be like, oh, well, I am actually want to hear their point of view now. It's just, I think, ups and downs, trial and error. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, relationships have ups and downs. So this could just be a down and there might be plenty more ups. Exactly. So, sure. Important to isolate really tense things as well. Just be mm-hmm. like, this is a conflict. We can resolve this, but it's not... Uh, it's not the relationship. Yeah. At sure. the end of the day, you know, it's just an isolated part of it. And, you know, you've got a lot of groundwork there probably already that, you know, you can build off. Definitely. Well, that's a nice note to wrap on. And thank you for sending that in while we're talking. Yeah. It's very exciting so to see the little. Yeah, um, you got all excited seeing the inbox light up. Yeah. Um, thank you for sending in that question. Thank you to everyone who sent in a question, and if you're listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. This has been a great show, honestly. And I'm not just saying this has probably been one of my best shows of the year, uh, favorite shows of the year, rather. This has been one of the best Naughty Rude shows. Um, oh. Not because I'm here, obviously, but because the content was brilliant. And thank you both, Kate and Carlin, for bringing your insights to the table. Appreciate that, Aaron. Yeah. Don't talk yourself down too much. You're amazing. (laughs) I was very, very happy to be here. Yeah, great. Well, you'll be back next week. Look forward to it. Yeah, if you guys want to tune in again next week, we'll be here, same time, same place, 8 p.m. Sin Nation. 
Uh, this is The Naughty Rude Show. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, as I said before, Facebook, The Naughty Rude Show Sin, uh, on Twitter, at Naughty Rude, and send us a question throughout the week at thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Uh, that's about it. Oh, also, podcast. Yes, so this show will be up hopefully tomorrow. I'm going to work on it tomorrow. You know, we'll see how we go. I'm, I'm what only else human. do you have to do, I'm really? only human. <laughs> <laughs> University. I'm a student, you see. I'm wow. a slave to the system. Anyway. <laughs> I'll be working on this podcast. It'll be out sometime early in the week, next week. Um, you can get that on Omni and on iTunes if you just search The Naughty Rude Show, but we'll also share it on the socials so you can find it there. Easy peasy, more incentive to follow us. Thanks for listening. Uh, look forward to hearing – Not you'll be hearing us. Look forward to having you listen to us next week. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, bye. Wow. <laughs> You can listen to The Naughty Rude Show live 8 to 10 p.m. every Sunday on Sin Nation. So, so, so skinless.